Okay, so, Bedtime Story, Chapter 1. James stared out of the classroom window and wished that the school day would end. It was only two weeks to Christmas, and Year 6 was turning out to be the worst year ever. He had really been looking forward to his final year at Balfour Primary School. The Year 6s had the best trips, the best after-school clubs, and he should have had the best teacher in the school, Mrs Kingsbury. But just after the half-term break, she had been taken sick, and her replacement was a disaster. Out of the corner of his eye, he could see Mrs Gently sitting motionlessly at her desk. How Mrs Gently managed to get the job at Balfour was beyond James. She was old and frail, and spent most of the time behind the desk. Sometimes she would shuffle awkwardly around the class, her big baggy dresses catching on chairs and desks, but usually she sat quite still. She had none of the skills he associated with a competent teacher. He didn't know what was worse, her poor command over the class's behaviour, or her even poorer command of any useful or relevant knowledge. James was used to teachers not being able to answer all his questions. He had asked a lot of them, and didn't expect them all to be answered perfectly. But Mrs Gently didn't seem to understand anything, and she had the infuriating habit of not admitting when she didn't know. Is there a better way to find a smaller common denominator? James had asked when adding fractions in maths one morning. Just use the calculator, James, Mrs Gently replied. It'll do the work for you. Why are the primary colours in art different from the primary colour in light? He'd asked while mixing paints one afternoon. They're just the same, she'd replied. Now be a good boy and finish your painting. It was so frustrating. Or at least, to James it was. Nobody else seemed to care. The rest of the children in 6K had grown used to doing what they liked. Any work they did wasn't marked, and Mrs Gently never followed up on any of the tasks she set. So in a few short days, most of the class just sat around chatting quietly in groups or playing football under the table with screwed-up paper. The only slight remnants of order were maintained during visits from the head teacher, when everyone, including Mrs Gently, would act like everything was perfectly normal. But Mrs Gently wasn't the only problem. James's best friend, Jenny, had been volunteered to look after a new girl, a refugee called Asma, who was new to the school and the country. James knew this was important, and that Jenny was a good partner for Asma. But the new girl didn't speak a word of English, and Jenny took her responsibilities seriously, which included working hard at trying to use sign language to convey meaning. This made any conversation with Jenny particularly draining and difficult, to the point where James had given up speaking to her. There was one thing that James was looking forward to, apart from the Christmas holiday. It was the inter-school carol competition. He'd joined the school choir last year because Jenny had wanted him to. And although he wasn't the world's greatest singer, he found he really enjoyed it. The carol competition was going to be in a huge tent, like a big top, erected on hove lawns by the seafront. Twenty local schools would be singing Christmas songs together. The school day finally ended. James grabbed his bag and coat off his peg and rushed out. Most days he had some club or another. Today it was Wednesday, and that meant choir practice in the main hall. He was the first one there, and slung his bag and coat to the back of the hall, and sat on a bench waiting for the rest of the choir to turn up. 
It was after choir that evening that James spotted something strange. He and Jenny, and Asma, who was in the choir even though she didn't sing a word, were walking across the playground when a sudden movement near the gym equipment caught his attention. It was quite dark, but not yet fully dark, and a dark bird hit the seat of the exercise bike. The bird plummeted from the sky and hit the seat hard. It lay still for a second and then, in a jerky movement, propped itself up onto one leg and hopped down and into the shadowy bushes on the edge of the playground. Immediately after, three magpies landed silently on the bike, looked around for a moment, and then all took off together and disappeared over the houses that backed on to the school. Not that unusual, James thought, just a little weird. But it stirred something inside him, memories of birds and squirrels from the year before, and he also thought of his special key, the squiducken key that he kept in a gap down the side of his bed, a key that was given to him by a king. Well, not actually to him, but to Jenny. But he was looking after it. Did you see that? he asked Jenny. What? Those birds over by the new exercise stuff. No. Jenny then spent two minutes checking with Asma, who didn't say anything at all. Perhaps it was nothing, but it certainly didn't feel like nothing. The first thing that James did when he got home was to go straight up to his room and pull the squiducken key from the side of his bed. It was heavy and cold, and there was something else about it. He knew it was important, but he realised that he hadn't thought about the key in ages. Not since his last adventures, just before Christmas the year before. Did that mean that he was in for another adventure this year? He hoped so, just to distract him from Mrs Gently. One thing he was sure of was that he would keep an eye out for anything else strange over the next few days. Thursday was wet. He trudged through light rain and into school. The hood of his waterproof was low over his eyes. At this time of year it was dark when he left for school and dark when he got home. He got to the dinner hall door and gave it a pull. It was locked. That was quite normal. Breakfast club started at 7.30, which was before the official school day, and that meant everything was locked. It was now just after 8am, and he knocked on the door and waved at the window, trying to get the attention of someone who was already in the hall. A moment later, Jenny came over and opened the door. To James's surprise, Asma wasn't with her. He signed in and pulled his raincoat off. Where's Asma? he asked, looking past Jenny to the hall. She's got an appointment with a language specialist today. James was pleased, but he took care not to let it show. Jenny was very serious about helping Asma integrate and a little sensitive about it too. James thought that perhaps she thought that it reflected badly on her that Asma hadn't said a single word in any language since she'd arrived. So, did you notice anything strange at all last night or today? he asked. Jenny cocked her head to the side and furrowed her brow. Strange? Oh, like the birds you saw. No, nothing like that. But apparently the strong winds last night damaged the twin elms in Preston Park. Strong winds, James said. I didn't notice anything. Nor me. My mum went for an early run and saw they'd been cordoned off. She spoke to a council park warden who told her. James thought of the squiducken key again. He'd left it safe in his bedroom. Perhaps there was an adventure brewing. He sat down next to Jenny. 
The hall smelled of toast, which was exactly what he ate, with butter and jam. He sat and talked with Jenny about their teacher and how badly the year was going. Oh, I think Miss Gently's all right. She's certainly been kind to asthma. What? She's terrible! James waved a toast crust as he spoke. We haven't learned anything since she started. I think I'm actually unlearning each day. When I get home, I spend hours online trying to work out what we should have done. Well, I don't think it's as bad as that, said Jenny. But she probably could do a better job of controlling the class. Thank you. She's awful, and I've got no idea how she's still a teacher. James calmed down a little and popped the crust into his mouth. You want to come with me after school today and check out the Twin Elms, he asked while chewing. Jenny agreed to go to the park straight after school and see what was happening with the ancient trees. Not long after breakfast, however, the thought of investigating was pushed right out of James's head completely. During assembly, the headteacher made an announcement to the Year Sixes that first excited James and then made him hate Mrs Gently even more. We've been given a wonderful mathematical opportunity, Year Six, the headteacher said. In the week before Christmas, one class will have the opportunity to win a day out of school. The children in the hall stopped fidgeting and for once all listened carefully. The mathematical part of the description would normally have been enough for most of them to lose interest. But the idea of winning a day out of school appealed across the board. James was already listening hard, as he did actually like maths. It's an event called Code Breaking and Ice Skating and we're one of the few schools selected to take part. As you probably know, there's a code-breaking exhibition on at Brighton Museum at the moment, and on the 20th of December, Simon Singh will be bringing his World War II Enigma machine. The hall stayed silent, probably because most of the children were trying to figure out what ice skating had to do with code-breaking. But James wasn't, wasn't thinking of the skating. He had wanted to go to the code-breaking exhibition since it opened, but hadn't had the chance and the opportunity to see an Enigma machine was too good to miss. As you probably all know, the Enigma machine was invented by the Germans during the war to encrypt their messages. One of the key moments that led to the Allied victory was when the mathematicians in Bletchley Park managed to break the code and decipher the German messages. Anyway, I'm sure that whichever class wins will learn all about it. A large boy from 6K called Rudy, who was sitting in the front row, put up his hand. James looked at him suspiciously. Rudy was not a particularly nice child, and James wondered what he had to say. Yes, Rudy? What's this got to do with ice skating? Ah, yes. Well, as part of the prize, the class that wins also gets to go skating. I'm not sure why, but the skating rink is right next to the museum. James put his hand up. Yes, James? How do we win the prize? James asked. Oh, it's quite simple. I've given each class teacher a puzzle sheet with ten cryptograms on it. A cryptogram is an encrypted or encoded message. All the winning class has to do is decode each message. But the sheet cannot leave the classroom. Anyone who is found to have received help from home or cheated in any way will have their whole class disqualified. Each teacher can also give a clue to help with any of the cryptograms. But beware! The number of clues will be used as a tiebreaker. If one class decodes all ten and uses five clues, and another class solves all ten and only uses three clues, then the latter class will win. A whispering murmur spread across the hall. 
James wasn't interested in ice skating, but the idea of solving a puzzle involving deciphering codes was right up his alley. Then he looked at his teacher, slumped in a chair at the side of the hall, barely moving. He knew that somehow Mrs. Gently would ruin everything. It wasn't until lunchtime that James was proved right. <laughs>